supercar-shaped Corvette headed to Schittsville in 2020. Yes! About 170,000 bucks. Jesus. Same car in Rotardistan, 60,000 US dollars, which is about 90 grand Australian. So who's gouging who? That's next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au, the place where Australian new car buyers save thousands off their next new cars. Hit me up on the website for that. This report is inspired by a dude named Chris Papa. Those plosives. Chris Papa. By email. Yes. Could you detail luxury car tax and other hidden fees? The 2020 Chevrolet Corvette is set to arrive in Australia in right-hand drive. Its estimated retail price here will be about $170,000. This is preposterous, considering that in the US, the 2020 Corvettes will retail for around $60,000 and converted to... Australian South Pacific micro pesos that equates to approximately $87,000. Why is there such an outrageous markup of about 100%? How much of that is luxury car tax? What would the rest of the cost be made up of? Why are car makers desperate to make more sales and some with very deep pockets not lobbying the Australian federal government to abolish luxury car tax? Okay, so just to get the finances out of the way, Australia has a free trade agreement with Retardistan. And that's been in place for nearly 15 years now. So to the best of my knowledge, there's no protective import duty on US cars, nor is there any import duty on cars from Japan, Thailand, or South Korea, our three major automotive trading partners, for exactly the same reason, free trade agreements. So the vast majority of cars on sale in Australia today are currently import duty free. Luxury car tax is indexed, so the threshold increases every year in line with the CPI. It's currently imposed on conventional cars over $67,525, or allegedly green cars over $75,526. In both cases, it's an additional 33% on the amount of that car's value that exceeds the threshold. So, if you run the numbers on that in the ballpark, if the 2020 Schittsville Corvette is 170,000, that equates to about 25 grand in luxury car tax, meaning the cost of the Corvette without the luxury car tax is about 145,000 bucks here in Australia. So ballpark again, if the same car in Retardistan is 90 grand, there's a 55,000 buck disparity between the Retardistan Corvette and ours. Part of that is going to be amortizing the cost of gearing up for right-hand drive production, divided by the number of right-hand drive units they intend to produce, or at least they plan on producing. There's just not too many right-hand drive markets. There's us, Japan, the UK, little places like Macau, but essentially the bulk of Corvettes around the world are going to be left hookers. So that's part of it. 
The rest is just GM's internal pricing structure and what they think they can get away with here. And obviously there's a 10% GST imposed on virtually everything in Australia. You can look at this price like a gouge if you want, okay, but the Corvette is going to be faster, a lot faster, at least in a straight line, than a vehicle like a BMW M4, which costs about the same price. And it's a lot cheaper than a proper mid-engine supercar. Still got that legendary GM build quality, however, which could be quite entertaining. Just depends how it plays, doesn't it? Just for perspective, however, the poverty 911 Porsche, not strictly speaking mid-engined, I know, but similar in terms of its performance intent, it's about 230 grand here in Shitsville. Exactly the same car with the wheel on exactly the same side up there in Brexit Potamia is 155,000 bucks Australian when you convert Great Britain pounds to Australian micro pesos. That includes that 155 grand, it includes 20% VAT in Brexit Potamia. The Povo 911 is therefore 60 grand more than the Corvette, as well as being more than a full second slower to 100 k's an hour. So there's that. If you want that level of performance, I'd suggest it's actually very cheap at 170,000 bucks. To Chris's point about luxury car tax and car makers not lobby, uh, lobbying, to Chris's point about luxury car tax and car makers not lobbying the government, I'd suggest they are. They have been for some time. The car industry's grubby little lobby group in Canberra. It's doing exactly that, and it has been since the inception of the luxury car tax. And for once, I am in complete agreement with them on this. Oddly, I'm not sure how I feel about that. There's not too much else we see eye to eye on, but on this, we are singing from the same frigging hymn book. In my view, luxury is an absurd thing to tax. If we decide, you know, as a society to tax luxury, then okay, that's kind of democratic, I suppose. But why have we chosen only cars, right? Why not harbourside mansions and hublot watches, Birkin handbags and first-class friggin' airfares? Just taxing cars for their purported luxury seems beyond inequitable, at least to me. Luxury is absurd to tax in any case because the imposition of GST and income tax, right, company tax, whatever, that's already built into the acquisition price of those luxury items. The buyers of that luxurious stuff are already paying tax on those items in proportion to the value of that stuff. Please let me know if you see it differently. And if we were only stinging a few fat cats and their Rolls Royces and whatever else, Aston Martins, okay, but we're not, right? I've driven many cars that I would categorise as properly luxurious. Most recently, the BMW 750i xDrive, review still to come there, it's half cut, like me, most evenings. And I'd have to say that a $70,000 vehicle that might exceed the luxury car tax threshold, but it does not get anywhere close to the proper automotive luxury threshold. 
a frigging base model Land Cruiser is a luxury car under the definition of this tax. I mean, come on. Even among the Germans, you know, 70 grand is nice-ish, but it's not proper luxury, at least not automotive luxury as I have experienced it. Luxury car tax was imposed to protect the local car industry, Holden, Ford, Toyota, and the factories onshore here. And that worked out so well, right? And here we are more than two years after the closure of the final factory in Australia, and luxury car tax persists, mainly because politicians are assholes. And here is the final wrinkle on all of this, which you may not have considered. Let's say they remove luxury car tax today and we're all throwing little parties in our pants yes, about how affordable the Corvette of our dreams has suddenly become. Isn't that great? You know who's not getting even vaguely titillated by this outcome? The sap who bought a three-pronged swastika E53 AMG yesterday or Chris in that Corvette earlier if he became one of those first adopters of the Chevy Corvette here. Because guess what just happened to the resale value of those big fat status symbols? They just took a 25 grand nosedive. The same car yesterday, brand new, 170 grand. Post luxury car tax apocalypse today, 145 grand. And for this reason, I think what you'll see happen if luxury car tax does go away, is a staggered rollback to zero, okay? After delaying as long as politically feasible. If and when that rollback kicks off, it'll be like 33% right now, 25% next year, 5% reduction every year thereafter or something, down to zero over a span of five or six years. But don't hold your breath for the kickoff, right? There's no time frame on the table for axing luxury car tax, at least not that I know of. And now, on this rather warm afternoon in the festering knee of Sid, let me air my nuts. Starting with an observation on yesterday's report concerning the failure of Nissan and Mazda to get back to, apparently, anyone who emailed their spin doctors recently. Even a Nigerian prince gets back to me. Come on, Mazda Nissan, you're not royalty. No, safe to assume, definitely not royalty. But that Nigerian prince, he's an emailing machine. I still think it's rather atrocious form for Mazda and Nissan not to respond to any of you, however. Mate, are you a Kiwi? Cause you're more articulated than the average Aussie. More articulated. Articulated. That's just perfect, Charlotte. Perfect. I went looking initially for a hinge in my spine, an extra one. Unsuccessfully, as it panned out. But then I thought to myself, Perhaps this articulated business is a code. As in, perhaps articulated is the next step up from heavy rigid. <laughs> I usually leave that stuff to him. Looks like we got us, convoy. <laughs> I enjoy your comments and forthright views in your emails. Just to interject briefly, 
My fully articulated spider sense is tingling. I'm sensing an imminent however. However, I take offence at your description of Daimler as the three-pronged swastika specialist in the BMW article re Takata airbag recall. That Nazi symbol is an abhorrent reminder of a shameful period in German history and your use of it demeans you. I understand your intent, but you are capable of using a more appropriate, less inflammatory adjective to make your point. Noted. Allow me to retort, Peter. It's a joke, mate. Come on. Respectfully, I'm not going to stop doing it because it's too much fun. Offence is a far too highly valued commodity in our society. Nobody actually gives a shit if you or I become offended. I simply don't care if anyone is offended by what I say. In a nutshell, you being offended is insufficient as far as justifications go for me to alter my conduct. There would have to be a far better reason than that. This is actually why we have free speech laws to protect offensive speech. Because when you think about it, the speech that nobody finds offensive does not actually need protection. Also, Peter, I don't believe you're being a big thinker on this, mate. What would be unacceptable would be endorsing Nazi values and or conduct although the freedom of speech even gives one the right to endorse that if one is that particular flavour of nutbag. I'm just telling a joke that belittles both parties harmlessly. Everyone gets it, well, almost everyone. Overwhelmingly, people even find it funny. Bear in mind, I get dozens of emails every week from all kinds of people offended by all kinds of things that I have said. Feminists, homosexuals, lesbians, one of my favourite groups of society, I've seen all their movies, political ideologues, patriots from various nations, but mainly retardistan, and here in Shitsville, the religious, Trump supporters, ethnic minorities, nutbags generally, I mean, it never friggin' ends. In the spirit of equality, therefore, I dismiss all critics of this nature equally. Back with you, behind your fence, into your box. So, I present you instead with this simple following binary proposition. Either watch or don't. I'll understand entirely if you choose don't. But I will be significantly happier if you do and then get outraged and then vent in the comments feed below. I always enjoy that. It even makes me fully articulated from time to time. Which is rather nice, I think you'd agree, in the dark of the moon on the 6th of June in a Kenworth pulling, I don't know, logs. Yes. <laughs> If I took everything out of the frigging show which people alleged offended them, this channel would be unwatchably bland. And I'd rather it be unwatchably offensive if that's how the cookie decomposes on this. I freely acknowledge everyone's entitlement to channel their inner frustrated executive producer to some degree. I am completely down with that. 
That's all I have for you today. Offended or not, thank you very much for watching.